comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. recording and this is out now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and as always this is Abe, what's up? This is episode 78 of our spooky episode because we're t- I can't do that over <laughs> again. We're talking about both Sinister and Paranormal Activity 4. Those are our movie reviews for the week. Of course, Out Now is a film podcast with Abe and I discussing movie, new movies weekly. We also bring a discussion about the latest movie trailers, box office results and predictions, a callback to past films similar to the main film of the week, games and other fun stuff. I've already said the episode number because that's all important because we're racking up closer and closer to episode 100. But uh, that's, a, that's a little ways off. We just got episode <laughs> 75. Slow it down, Abe. Slow it down. But as I said, we are discussing Sinister and Paranormal Activity 4. It's a special double bonus episode. And it's not a bonus episode. It's just a special double review episode. And we have joining us to discuss both films, writer for the Racked Focus, currently living with his possessed and murderous aunt, Maxwell Haddad. Hello. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Doing doing great. But as I said, this is our, our I mean, this is as close as we'll get to like a 90s sitcom Halloween episode of the show. So, I mean, just be prepared <laughs> to be scared. You know, you know why it's going to be scary? Why? Or what? <laughs> That's why. Because of good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so scared. <laughs> All right. But before we get to other things, let's get to our announcements. We always got a few announcements here. We've got a few emails, actually. Uh, spe- yeah, we did. Specifically for our Avengers contest. I've previously said that I have a copy of Avengers on Blu-ray, and I'm willing to give it out to anyone that... Not anyone, but someone, one lucky winner that responds to our question of who do you want to see in the next Avengers film and why. And we got a few emails this week. Um, got one from uh, Kyle Ross. He, uh, he said, hey guys, I'd say Spider-Man because he is awesome and a cultural icon. And I better email Will Wheaton as well as you guys. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. That's one option, and we got we got another one. And we have an official, like, I guess, a name for what we are. Out and Hours. That's what we got here. <laughs> uh, dear Out and Hours, this is from Dennis Poop. Um, I'd like to see Vision introduced in the next Ult Avengers movie. I'm not a particularly big Vision fan, but the character paves the way for Ultron, Jocasta, and eventually Machine Man. That's a nice subnet of characters with their own microcosm of stories, especially if you add Wonder Man and the original pre-Fantastic Four Human Torch. I have to admit... Then I would most I would mostly like to see the next wave version of Machine Man, who is a sarcastic burnout. Saw quite a bit of him in the later Marvel Zombies miniseries, and I imagine he and Bender from Futurama would be beer buddies. You need a curmudgeon in any ensemble, and my dark horse pick for that character would be Machine Man. I would I want to see a robot chugging beer, damn it. Okay. 
<laughs> Thanks, Dennis. That was a hilarious. And, and incredibly geeky. Thank you for reaching the, to, <laughs> to, to, to where Marvel was bound to go, obviously, with Machine Man. But again, if we're getting a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, I, I'm not, I'm not going to put it past him at this point, right? So, um, yeah. Uh, we will... What? That's a that's a pretty good answer, and we're gonna hold that one higher right now. As but uh, we're still open to ideas. We I, it's only one Blu-ray, and I want to give it away to like a, a lucky winner, and that's that's a pretty good email. There's there's a bar right there set uh, along with our email from last week from Manish, who sent us this great email about Boogie Nights and his favorite character from PT Anderson film. We got some got some good emails. So outnowpodcast at gmail dot com. Feel free to email in because uh, that contest is still open. So yeah, uh, what else we got here? We um. Oh, the YouTube page. Hey, want to talk about the YouTube page again for anyone? Absolutely, yeah. YouTube page is essentially uh, it's a more direct access to just the main reviews that we do every week. Uh, this week we're probably going to have two of them up, which uh, are going to be consisted of in Sinister and uh, Paranormal Activity 4. So if you guys just want to listen to the main review and uh, skip past the games or skip past any of the intros, feel free to check out the YouTube page, youtube.com slash outnowpodcast. Yeah, cool. And uh, let's see... One more thing, um, me and a friend of the show, Scott Mendelson and Brandon Peters, have been doing commentaries for a few James Bond movies. We have already put out one for From Rush With Love, and just recently, Moonraker, and we have another upcoming one for Goldeneye, followed by one more for The Quantum of Solace. Um, and just kind of plug in those, because the three of us pack those with information about movies and James Bond in general and the Bond series, as well as just, you know, having a fun time. So, you know, check those out if, you, if you're a big Bond fan looking forward to Skyfall. They're, they're, they're pretty full, pretty full of info. All right, so let's uh, let's get to know everybody, where each week we try to uh, set the tone for the podcast by asking each other a few questions and better get to know everybody. And I'm going to let our guest start it off this week, Maxwell. Oh, boy, that's a tall order. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, I'll, I'll go with, um, with Aaron on this all one. All right. Uh, if your house was haunted, just exactly how long would it take you to GTFO? Uh, let's see. House haunted. By discovering its hauntedness, like, over a few days? Is that, like, the, the idea? Like, yeah. You know, you're putting, piecing it together. There's a little investigation, and then you have concrete proof. It's haunted. Oh, that's like a right-of-way situation. It's like, okay, yeah, regardless of who's believing me or not at this point, I'm like, you guys stay here. I'm le- You're not going to bother me. I'm getting, I'm getting out. There is a neighbor's house down the street. They like me. I'm good. I'm going to stay there. I'll get. You, I'll keep the surveillance up. I will continue to prove to you that there is something wrong with this house. But you, you guys do what you want. I'm getting out of here, packing the bags, leaving, taking the PS3 also. <laughs> that's, that's my answer to that question. Pretty, fu- pretty, pretty effing quickly. That's the answer to that question. That's the the right answer. I'd say. <laughs> All right, uh, Abe. Yeah. Who would you rather babysit, Sid from Looper or Robbie from Paraformal? Dude, Sid from Looper, no question. Really? Yeah, I mean, what if he gets angry? I, I no, I, I would rather babysit him because I know what he is capable of. Whereas Robbie is just you know what you he's know. capable of. Doesn't that that makes it easier? There's also a safe in the mom's room. Remember, there's a safe in the mom's room. Correct. Okay, so like yeah. so so Sid's sitting there. He stubs his toe. He starts screaming I'm, up a storm. I'm out of there. I'm like I'm a hundred meter dashing out of it's there. Not, you're not like getting the ointment to rub it on his foot. Like yo, know, it all feels all better. You're running up the stairs and into the vault. That's there. That's weird. Yeah, going. either that or yeah, I'm just running into the cornfield and hoping that like hop- I don't get leveled. You're hopping on the you're hopping on the hover bike and kid blowing it out of there. 
But I mean, yeah, as opposed to Robbie, dude, I'm not gonna sit around while some dude is like, I don't know, staring at me with his invisible eyes. They love connect. Yeah, <laughs> which is a great segue to my question, Aaron. Yeah. Will Xbox Connect sales go up after seeing Paranormal Four? Yes, Abe. Abe, Abe, <laughs> with Connect, you can you can talk to ghosts. Okay, you don't you don't need to go to you don't need to go to like you don't need to talk to John Edwards on Sci Fi Channel. You don't need to go to some like thirty five dollar because Connect's so expensive, right? You don't need to go to some thirty five dollar fortune teller to kind of half get it right. You don't have to like you know wait. And like, just w- hope something happens. You get a you get a mo- a tracking dot system that can tell you that there are ghosts next to you, and you yeah. get to play Disneyland Connect or whatever that game's called. It seems like it seems like a win win. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Maxwell, mm, yes. you have started up one of your old family movies. Do you want to see a barbecue, a day at the pool, <laughs> or some fun yard work with the old lawnmower? I'd have to say pool party. Pool party. Seems the less, le- least bloody. Yeah, and blood washes out. Right? That's the other. <laughs> All things considered, that'd probably be the, the the most palatable to watch. All right. Um. All right. I guess this one will be for Abe. Yes. Not a lot of people to ask questions to this time. <laughs> uh, what supernatural entity from? film history are you personally most scared of supernatural well like ghost spirit yeah basically, basically I mean, not jaws yeah well, not jaws or a dude with a knife oh because i was gonna be like michael myers is really my personal but later he becomes undead right it's but, arguable as to whether he's yeah because i think in the first two he's he's just normal crazy and then later you find out the curse of michael myers but uh oh mm, supernatural entity i'm not going to lie that uh that super scary woman from insidious in the mirror yeah and in the photos that 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 spooked me out i have, I have an answer not, not the easiest thing to watch and then be like okay i'm never going to look at old photos again I, I have an answer for this one as well it is the twins from the shining the, twi- oh, the little yeah. girls of the shining that that they they yeah, they, they want you to go play with them. I don't want. I don't want to go play with them. I'd rather. I'd rather play with Stub Toe Sid than play with the little girls from the Shining. <laughs> See, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> who wants to play with any supernatural entity when you can just have a, a kid who becomes a rainmaker if he's not loved? Also, that dog from uh, from Ghostbusters, the one that chases Rick Moranis around. That thing scares me. I don't know why, but I watched that movie and I'm like, that's terrible. Like, Rick Moranis is trying, and it's Rick Moranis. He's so nice. He's trying to get away, and that dog gets him. And it's like, ah, that's terrible. He's not from a movie, but my answer would have to be Zeke the Plumber from the classic so, episode of Salute Your Shorts. Trip. I slept with the bathroom light on for like three years after watching that. The trivia for anyone that wanted to know this, the reason I have Zeke as many of my aliases is because of Zeke the Plumber from from. Absolutely, yours. Oh, that is that yeah. is the origin of, of my Zeke fondness. <laughs> Absolutely. Email right. us at outnowpodcast at gmail if you heard that correctly, and we'll send you a nice little thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's very scary. Ugh. I yeah. I was gonna Google search it, but I'm not gonna do that right now. <laughs> okay. Um, is that everybody? I think so. Um, well, good because that's how you play. No, everybody. <clears throat> uh, let's do. Uh, okay, before we get to out now quickies, TM. Um, I have a brand new segment, very quick one. It's even quicker than Out Now Quickies. It's called Did You Cross Alex Cross? So right now, my answer is no. That was the new segment, Did You Cross Alex Cross? 
Okay, so now moving on down no quickies TM. Um <laughs> no quickies. It's the um, the segment where we talk about movies that we, you know, might have also seen this weekend. There are a lot of movies come out, we don't review all of them. Um so, you know, figured out no quickies, good way to get that across. Hey, have you have any quickies this week? No, but I have been watching more TV. Yeah, any new shows this week? Just catching <laughs> up on more. Yeah, I'm just catching up on more. I mean I haven't catch up on the league, but no, I mean none nothing too noteworthy. Okay. I did finish Freaks and Geeks, the the entire series on Netflix streaming. Cool. That's a great show. Yeah. Everyone's in that show. Everybody is in that show. Uh, Maxwell, any out quickies? I've just been watching a lot of horror movies this week, trying to get in the Halloween spirit. Cool. So, nothing, uh, you know, particularly noteworthy to talk about, but go home, watch a horror movie, get yourself a little spooked out. Tis the season to scare the pants off yourself. Well, maybe when we get to Halloween, maybe we'll do like a bonus episode or something around Halloween movies and see how that goes. Alan Aguilera, I think you just joined this podcast. I've been here the entire oh, time. Oh, sneaking in. Sneaking <laughs> in from behind just like he likes it. All right, so. Robbing us. Alan Aguilera, any out now quickies you have? Any, any movies you might have seen recently besides Sinister and Paranormal Activity 4? No. Okay, thank you. Um, I have one. I have seen The Sessions. This is the new film with John Hawks and Helen Hunt. And uh, John Hawks plays a paraplegic person. He's completely paralyzed, but he's also a virgin at 38 years old. He's like, he was, this is a true, this is a true story. Guy's like, uh, he's like a writer and a poet, a journalist, and he wanted to get laid. <laughs> that was part of it. He hires a sex surrogate played by Helen Hunt. And the movie sounds very much like something that'd be very Oscar Beatty, but it's very well handled. I think John Hawks and Helen Hunt are very good in the movie, and I'd be happy to see them get recognized for that for their performance. The movie's called The Sessions, and it's a good one. I'd say check it out. Hmm. So that was that. No quickies done. TM. TM. Exactly. Let's get <laughs> let's get to our discussion. Let's get to our movie trailer talk, where we discuss some of the latest movie trailers that have recently been released, and uh, let's start. Let's start with the first one, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D. Is it just Texas Chainsaw 3D, or is it even? I think it's just Texas. It Chainsaw is. 3D. It just drops. It yeah, just, it's not even, no, it's no not even massacre. It's like Fast and Furious. We're just dropping words, and we're just going Texas Chainsaw 3D. The meat of the argument. Um, this is the newest installment in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. Um, it's in 3D, I guess. The Leatherface is back or something or other. The poster, to me, is hilarious. Scott Mendelson pointed this out, actually. The Texas Chainsaw 3D poster features Leatherface without a chainsaw. Chainsaw is the biggest thing on this poster, and there is no chainsaw on the poster. There is no actual picture of a chainsaw, which is hilarious to me. But enough about what I Well, do. you have to leave the audience wanting something to see. Yeah. you got to tease something. All right, Al. Don't give away a chainsaw. No one knows what that looks like. Well, Alan, it's like Godzilla in 98. <laughs> Size does matter. But Alan Aguilera, what did you think of the Texas Chainsaw 3D trailer teaser? Oh, it's whatever. <laughs> like, it's, it's another Texas Chainsaw movie, but when I heard about the film, it sounded exciting. Um, I think the idea was behind... I think the idea behind it was only the original counts. Nothing else that's come before or after it really matters, and it picks up right after the first one ends. Um, so the idea was always good. And then I saw the trailer and I was like, never mind. <laughs> so that's about it. Maxwell. Yeah. I mean, it looks like a pretty standard slasher. The 3d element doesn't interest me. I'm not a particular fan of Leatherface. I, you know, I think it's interesting that 
they're going back to the roots of the series, but it would help more if I actually cared about the series. Okay. And it doesn't look very good at all. These kids look too hipster to be in 1974. And, uh... Did you yeah. see what the kids in 1974 look like? I They look like the kids in, uh, Freaks and Geeks, which we just talked about. Which, these kids which are, are hipsters. That's, yeah, pretty much hipsters. Yeah. Yeah, I mean hipsters are vintage, and nothing says vintage like right. six kids from 1974. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, this movie doesn't look good at all. All right, so the scariest thing about this movie is obviously its January release date. That's what terrified me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is another. Te- I mean, what I like about and I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original 1974 version, and what I love about that movie is its just dirty grittiness and. That's not evident in any of these new ones. Like I get, like the sequels, the first, like the original sequels, one of Dennis Hopper, Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, that gets a pass. That's just like that's just weird. That movie is just like just weird. But the rest of them, I mean, what's after two? Is there a, when's the next the new beginning one? That is that four or is that three? That's all of Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger, which they don't like talking about, but they did. <laughs> but getting past those, getting to like the Michael Bay produced ver- those two movies. Those they're just like too slick. They like they they lack things that make the original like effective to me. And so another one in that realm where it's gonna be, you know, another like stylist Texas Chainsaw movie, that's like just not what I want out of a Texas Chainsaw movie. Maybe I really doubt that this movie's gonna really try to connect it back to the original one, so there's nothing for me to <laughs> to expect in terms of hey this could be good because I don't think so especially not when it says you know 3D as the tag too like that's <laughs> not, that's not that's not pushing me out um so yeah Texas Chainsaw 3D with poster that lacks chainsaw that arrives in theaters January 4th so ring in the new year with uh you know a, a beer with leather leatherface or something I don't yeah anyway our next trailer we're going to talk about is Carrie this is the remake of Carrie. Remake or just another ad- adaptation of a Stephen King novel? I would say, yeah, I would say another adaptation. And uh, this version stars Chloe, Gla- bleh, Chloe Grace Moretz, who played a hit girl in Kick-Ass, and, among other things, and Julianne Moore as Carrie, and Julianne Moore as her, you know, her her endearing mother, right? That's that's the term we use to describe Carrie's mother. <laughs> um, and interestingly, it comes from director Kimberly Price, who previously made Boys Don't Cry, which is... That, that was funny to me. That seemed that, that, that it's like that's that's a interesting movie to have also directed that come to carry her. But um, yeah, not a, it was teaser, not much scene besides just destruction that happens towards the end of the film. Spoilers. But um, Maxwell, what did you think of the teaser for Carrie? It's a simple teaser, but it definitely uh, piques my interest. You know, Chloe Moritz has been in two other horror remakes, both of which I thought were fairly successful, so she has a good track record, and she's a phenomenal talent, and I think she could do the character justice. Um, And like you were alluding to, Kimberly's a very interesting um, and sort of unexpected choice for this type of material, but I think she could connect it to something beyond just, you know, being a you know, trashy horror movie about a young girl going crazy. I could get, you know, down into Carrie's issues like the novel does. So, yeah, I'm definitely interested in this one. I'm curious, what did, um, I know Let let Me In was once, what was the other horror remake she She was in uh, the Amityville horror with Ryan Reynolds. Oh, she was okay. oh. young at the time, but, you know, she's not exactly old now, so if that was 
seven years ago, so she was just a child, but she is in that. Okay, cool. Uh, Alan? Um, it looks... It's just a teaser trailer. You don't really see anything. All you see is the um, tracking shot of the town, and you close in on Chloe. Um, I mean, the, the cast is what interests me, um, and the director, so the talent behind the uh, behind the film makes me want to see it, but I don't know. It could go one or two ways. It could go really good, or it could go really bad. Uh, unfortunately for them, I think the original was really good, so they have a lot to live up to. Um, so I'm, I'm more curious than eager. You know what I mean? Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Ape? Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a teaser trailer in the sense of I do want to see more. Uh, but also, I'm kind of concerned because I think we've talked about this before where, where if you remake a good movie, is it, you know, are you setting, are you setting the bar too high for yourself kind of thing? So I hope that it's not a case where it's, uh, you know, that situation. All right, yeah, and, um, I mean, for, for this teaser, like, Carrie, I, yeah, I think, I, I like the original Carrie from Brian De Palma quite a bit, and it makes me curious how that movie was marketed previously, how the original Carrie was marketed, because this movie, it feels like, almost like, um, like when the Omen remake came out, not that that's, like, a good movie, but when the Omen re- when the Omen remake came out, like, that movie's presuming that you know what the Omen is already. You know Damien's an evil kid. And I don't necessarily think the original Omen relied on you knowing already that Damien's evil. And so I'm curious if the original Carrie relied on the fact that you already knew that crazy things were going to happen involving Carrie at the end of that Carrie movie. This movie is basically advertising the fact that Carrie's going to do some crazy shit. So <laughs> I, I, I'm curious if the, if, I can go into this movie and just be happy with what precedes all that crazy shit, but, we'll, I mean, we'll see. I, I, I agree that I'm curious about this movie more than excited for it. So, um, I mean, it has it has good people involved. Like, so. It's good people. It's good people. Good people. Um, <laughs> no, um, I think I saw the trailer for Carrie once from the 70s, and they kind of show what kind of happens at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of show clips of her at the prom and stuff, so... I don't know. Um, I didn't think about the Omen. Did you think it was the original film? Do you think that's the negative connotation for the name Damien, or do you think it's always been if your name's Damien, you're a bad person? <laughs> um, hmm. I would think that the Omen certainly popularized the idea of Damien being a, a a name that's not preferred by people for certain reasons, <laughs> especially among la- Latinos. <laughs> My mom didn't let me have a friend named Damien because she thought. His parents were the occult. It was really funny. I mean, he he ended up going to jail for domestic uh, disturbance. Still. (laughs) Anyway. Thank you for that. Right in line with uh, the movie talks. Aside from that divergence, Carrie comes out on March fifteenth, two thousand thirteen. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. All right. So moving on, I guess that's going to bring us to our first review. We're we're first up going to talk about Sinister. I didn't want to move here. We couldn't afford to live in the old house anymore. Plus, the new story I'm writing is here. Is the story a good one this time? I'm going to write the best book that anybody's ever read. I got a really good feeling about this. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Finn hanging out. Barbecue 79. Mm-hmm. 
that's the family who lived here. You think these are serial murders? I don't know. First one I found dates back to the 60s. The only link between all these cases is this symbol. So that should have been some of the trailer for Sinister, and this is the new film from director Scott Derrickson, written by um, uh, writer-reviewer um, Rob, uh, C. Roger Cargill, and it stars Ethan Hawke as a true crime novelist who has a family, he has a wife and two children, and they've just moved into a new house in a neighborhood that has featured some trauma. The trauma involved... No, it's not really a new house. Okay. They moved into a house in a neighborhood that experienced trauma. The trauma of question is seen very early at the beginning of the film where a family was brutally murdered. Um, the catch is that Ethan Hawke has moved his family into the very same house that this family was murdered in. And uh, dun, dun, dun. I know. And his goal right now, he a little, little unbeknownst to the rest of his family. And Ethan Hawke's goal, he is a writer. He's trying to basically solve missing aspects of the case, which include the family that was murdered not all of them were murdered. One of the little, the little girl of the family was actually taken. So he wants to basically kind of put all the clues that he's assembled himself together and write a novel based on this and hopefully, you know, have it become a bestseller as well as possibly solve a crime kind of thing. He's done this previously before, which has kind of driven him a little nutso in the past. But anyway, in doing this, he, while living in the house, he uncovers a box of Super 8 films. Watching those Super 8 films, he discovers that there's been a lot of grisly murders and they all find some connection eventually. But getting ahead of myself, Maxwell, what did you think of Sinister? Um, I thought Sinister was fine. I think that there were two elements um, that made the film, one of which I really liked, one of which I thought was fairly terrible. So to talk about what I really liked... Um, I think as a character study um, and as and as sort of an exploration of one man's um, unhealthy obsession, um, it's fairly effective. I think Ethan Hawke is is one of these actors who can get really sort of twitchy and 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 um, creepy um, in all the right ways, and he's really really terrific in this movie. Um, he anchors it strongly and. Um, you're kind of on the edge of your seat with him. But then at the same time, when it starts becoming more of a pretty standard ghost movie, it lost me with a lot of obvious and and, and um, stupid moments, bad jump scares. And um, I thought uh, unnecessary, without spoiling anything, tropes of things I've seen just too much in, like, the last ten years of, of horror movies. So it was, like, 50-50 for me, which was kind of disappointing. Alan? 
Well, first off, I was really disappointed because I thought it was going to be a modern re- retelling of Mr. Sinister, the X-Men villain. Uh, it was not. <laughs> I was very upset. I was just waiting for Dr. Essex to pop up on the screen. It just wasn't it. X-Men, X-Men um, Origins, Mr. Sinister. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was waiting for, and it wasn't it at all. And it just looks terrible. But anyway, then I watched the film, and I thought the first two acts were really expertly crafted. I really liked it. And then, you know, it's a horror film, so then the third act just kind of ruined it for me. Plus, um, Mr. Sinister, or Mr. Boogie, or Boogoo, um, he, he looked like um, a roadie for Slipknot. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to wear a really long dress coat, have long hair, and then like a cool mask. I'm also a cinephile. <laughs> What's I'm that? I'm also a cinephile. Yeah, I, honestly, the first two acts of the movie were really cool. And then I, I ended up watching it with my friend, and there's a scene where you keep hearing, like, because the camera, like, the videotape. Yeah, this is super a super eight film, yeah. My friend made a joke because, um, clearly, you guys have seen it, when he, when you kind of hear those loud creaks in the attic, my friend made the joke, it's like, that's just Mr. Sinister putting, p- trying to put the uh, camera away in the attic and falling over every time. Because <laughs> he keeps moving around. I thought it was really funny. It made me laugh. Um, it was fine. I just didn't like the ending because it just, I don't know, just seemed lazy. And honestly, for a film that was paced where it's like, okay, clearly you you know what you're doing. You've seen enough horror movies where you're wanting to write this and you're really coming into your own. You kind of, it seems like the production just kind of succumbed to every cliche in the last 15 minutes. It's like, I know we're trying really hard not to do everything. But here you go. I'm going to give you everything in the last 10 minutes. So I was really upset. And Ethan Hawke's sweater looked really comfortable. <laughs> it did. Right? Oh, like, elbow patches? Yeah. Right? The it, elbow patches? Just the, the pattern? I like that sweater. It was a I sweet sweater. sweater. I agree. Yeah, it looks pretty warm. It, I have mm-hmm. that sweater in green. I wear it all the time. Awesome. Does really? this mean that you're going to find a box of Super 8? Millimeters in your clo- in your attic. Nobody is. I did, but it was just old episodes of the facts of life. <laughs> Abe, what Abe, what did you think it's of this? It's scary, oh, but so pretty scary, but but you know I'm not being haunted by by Lisa <laughs> Wetzel or, or however you say her name. Helcho. Abe, what did you think of the movie? Um, I thought that it was a it was one of those slow burn movies where where it's it's intense in terms of uh, the first, second act. And the third act was kind of strange, because I think that there wasn't really a conclusion as to uh, my own questions of, are these children helping him? Are they hurting him? And the other question of, what's the deal with Bagul? You know, what's the deal with him? Like, I don't understand how he was able to influence a, a certain character in this movie to do these things. Um, so those two questions, are I think they're still pretty open. Uh, I, I don't think there's really any conclusion to that, but I did like the tension in terms of, uh, you know, Ethan Hawke continuously being so caught up in trying to write this new book that he starts to uh, drink, and people don't really take that into account. But it's uh, it's one of those things where, as his character progresses deeper and deeper into this, maybe it's like a, a, a some kind of psychosis of him hearing this projector, but at the same time, it's actually happening and. Um, that's what makes it, I think, effective uh, in terms of you thinking about, like, is he re- is he just going crazy or is he really being haunted? And you know that it's a little bit of both, but more so being haunted. Uh, but again, the whole entire notion of what's up with what's up with the uh, the demon in the movie, I don't I don't fully understand. Cool. Yeah, and uh, 
I'm not gonna lie. Those those uh, tapes they were hilariously, like, ironically named, I should say. Um, but one of the tapes was worse than all the others, and I think that's the last one that he saw. And I, I kind of didn't see that coming, and I, even I jumped on that one. And I do want to say, uh, this is, in all honesty, C. Robert Cargill is a part of the Spill.com podcast crew, and that's actually the motivation for me wanting to start up the Out Now podcast with Aaron and Abe. So thanks, uh, Spill crew. So, um... So, you're, Abe, you're kind of saying thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> Abe, you get to you get to the main issue that I have with this movie, which is C. Robert Cargill. Um, that's the reason I wanted to see this movie because I knew he wrote it, and because he's you know a big horror fan and a you know a writer and someone that understands you know film and knows how to critique them, you, I would feel I felt like he would be able to avoid a lot of trappings of a horror movie of this type. And the issue I have with the movie is that he doesn't. There's a lot of really bad scenes of, like, Ethan Hawke running around in the dark, refusing to turn on any kind of light, using very small amounts of light sources, and just, like, acting like a stock character in a horror movie. And I feel like someone like Car- Cargo could have avoided having those kinds of scenes, but they still exist. That said, I did like the movie overall. I think it has this great atmosphere to it that makes it really effective in being a scary movie. Um regardless of the jump scares, which there are many of, which do feel lazy when they come about, but just the the sense of dread that you get from watching the movie, I think is effective enough to make it worth recommending overall. I, the Super 8 films that are shown in this movie, I think all are very, not just like stylish, but very creatively creepy in how they're filmed and what they're showing and how they're not necessarily crazy graphic, but you get a sense of like, oh, this is terrible. Like, I don't want to watch this at all. Right. And... I also think Ethan Hawke is very good in this movie, and this is, like, his first, like, big horror movie. Like, he's never done a horror movie before, besides maybe Daybreakers, which I don't think really counts. Like, this is... I think he's very solid in this lead role. And what I liked about his performance and just kind of the... I guess kind of the sum of the story in general is that if you take away the horror element, it's a fairly compelling drama about what Alan was saying about a character who... Uh, was Alan saying that, or was was Maxwell saying that? It just about, uh, if it's smart, I'll take credit. <laughs> Maxwell was saying that. I'm pretty sure it was. I think was that. Yeah, I believe it was, it was Maxwell. Maxwell. Yeah, um, <laughs> about just a character dealing with obsession and you know getting in kind of fights with his wife about what he's trying to accomplish with writing, both being a best-selling author and possibly discovering like a, solving a mystery. Like it's it's kind of an interesting study in that sense. So like I I really liked what Ethan Hawke was doing in this movie. And I really liked the score of this movie too. I was, I, I really liked the score quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I do. I had issues with kind of, yeah, the kind of stupid character decisions made. And then the ending bothered me. I feel like the more I was revealed, more that was revealed to me, the less I was kind of with the movie in general. The more I learned about the ghoul with Vincent D'Onofrio literally Skyping it in, <laughs> the, the, the less I was unprecedented too. Yeah, the less I was intrigued about the uh, about the movie overall. But I will say that that uh, I do agree with you on the score, especially during the times where Ethan Hawke is watching the eight millimeter films. Those are creepy little tone scores. Um, and uh, but I do disagree that. Um, what was your second point that I was going to say? Ethan Hawke actually. There's explanations why he's walking around in the dark with just his iPhone light, though. It's later revealed that the power goes out in, like, the neighborhood. There's there's one scene where the power goes out, but there's a lot of scenes where he could have turned on a light or did anything else besides walking around in the darkness with just his phone as a flashlight. 
That's true, yeah. Especially like when he's waking up at 3 a.m. and he's he's like, but, well, what's that noise? I guess I could turn on all the lights. I mean, I have a bigger problem with that in, in the next movie we're going to review. But, yeah, I thought that it was serviceable. But, again, the ending is, is weak in terms of I don't fully understand. I mean, how did, how did this I, one character get to this point? I wish I had understood less, actually, and I think this is kind of what Aaron was alluding to is me personally, when it comes to scary things, I think the unknown and the unexplained is tends to be scarier than some sort of half-baked explanation as to what exactly is going on. And I think in horror, ambiguity can be a really effective tool. And one of the things that I think Sinister did that made it lose its way is try to over-explain everything that happened. I don't think the reveals in the final act were necessary. I think we could have connected the dots and it would have been probably scarier and more effective on its own. Yeah, I agree with that a lot. I mean, the, the there there comes a point where like you where you're getting all this information and and it just when you get to a certain point in the movie and you're like well, one thing I, I kind of jumped to the the conclusion when I got when I when I heard certain things, and I don't tend to do that, but I was like, well, I guess I know where this is going now, and I was kind of upset just because I knew exactly what was going to happen. And so getting there, I was like, well, that's not satisfying because then I had more questions because it gave me so much to work with. I'm like, well, what does that mean overall? Like, so yeah, I, yeah, I found a lot of issues of where the end went. I, I guess I can commend the film on, we, I can commend the film in leaving me with like a sense of like, oh, well, that, I don't feel good after this. I mean, that's like, it, um, it, it doesn't. It, it it doesn't try to cap it off of a, a pat happy ending, but uh, so that's, I guess, nice or something. Um, the <laughs> the R rating. I, I I also I guess I admire the movie isn't like crazy gory necessarily. Like it doesn't go for like super hardcore gore stuff. It's more just yeah. there's a lot. Of, not necessarily implied. Well, there's a lot of implied things, but like it's there's dark elements going on without resorting to like seeing just. The, the craziest gore. gore. Yeah. So, Except for one scene. Are you saying it's dark? Yeah, thank you. Would you call it sinister? <laughs> yes, I would call it sinister. But yeah, I mean, again, I, I really, like, I do, re- I like the movie overall enough to recommend for people that want to see a scary movie during the Halloween season. I think it's worth going to theaters to check this movie out. I I, I think yeah. it has, I think it captures the atmosphere well. I think uh, Scott Derrickson, who directed the movie, he previously did the, uh, the, the Exorcism of Emily Rose, and he did that terrible Day of the Year Stood Still remake. But, um, which I don't blame him. I don't blame him for either. And I've actually heard him on another podcast recently, and I, he's yeah. And I actually I, there's a Q and A after Sinister too, and I it, it, yeah, I, I wouldn't blame him for the day of years still at this point. I blame Jaden Smith for that movie. But the um, <laughs> the I, I like I liked his direction in this movie for the most part. Like I liked his. There's a lot of like long tracking shots that were admirable. There's I again his his work with the the composer of the film the that made the score i really like this the score is really good i do like it. I, I bought the score yeah. at this point it's this crazy industrial kind of untraditional score that i think really helped make the movie set the movie apart from other movies like it, it, it worked yeah for me. i i definitely agree with that i'm all for taking chances with with scores especially in horror I'm, you get kind of tired of hearing the same you know strings and and low bass rumble the kind of almost primal chanting that they used in some scenes in this was definitely disturbing. Yeah, I, I was uh, actually listening. I I was listening to the score and reading the newest. Um, it, I got the hardcover of the newest Walking Dead 
copy and I was listening to the score at like midnight while reading it. And I was like, oh, this isn't working. So I just stopped doing it. <laughs> Bad idea. <laughs> like, yeah, this wasn't good at all. But uh, yeah, okay. So uh, just to wrap it up so we can get to our next movie, uh, let's uh, get to our rating. Uh, each week we try to rate movies based on when you should go and see them. And uh, we have a scale that goes from IMAX to theater to dollar theater, Netflix, HBO, TV, or just kind of forget about it. Uh, Maxwell, where would you put Sinister on that scale? I would do Netflix. Watch it at home with the lights off. I wouldn't go to the theater. Alan? Theater. Uh, dollar theater. Okay. Okay. Uh, because even though it kind of falls apart at the end, um, the first two acts were really well made oh. and creepy and really – I actually really was enjoying myself in the first part of the part of the film in the theater. I uh, agree with you, Alan, so I'll just echo those thoughts. But uh, Abe? Ooh. Yeah, I'd say dollar theater as well. <laughs> yeah, dollar theater and um... – I think spoilers here. If you if you want to avoid some of the uh, the scare moments, watch the Red Band trailer. It's all there. Yeah, Jesus. Um, see, that's why I didn't watch the Red Band trailer, and I'm happy because of it. Yeah, I, I didn't watch the trailer at all. I, was, I just kind of walked in. Yeah, well, I was kind of bummed out that they showed so much in the Red Band, or even in the Green Band. Um, Green Band's not as bad. Like I would. Yeah, I think there's only like one thing yeah. in the attic. All right, so let's uh, let's do a little movie callback. Callback, callback, callback. This is where we mention a few films that kind of reminded us of the film we watched. Uh, or the, yeah. So with that said, um, I'll just I'll just start with this. I, uh, Insidious was a movie that was coming to mind quite often because just because that was the, the horror movie I really liked from last year, and this is you know from a producer of Paranormal Activity and Insidious. And but I mean, it still had a, a similar kind of like there's something going on in this house kind of premise thing. And I liked Insidious more, and that's kind of the movie I was hoping this would measure up to. And while it didn't quite do that. It still was effectively scary in the ways that it tried to be. I also thought of Poltergeist, and uh, <laughs> and Cabin in the Woods came to mind because it's you know it's ruined horror movies for me, so. <laughs> <laughs> or made them ultra better. I don't know what you're talking about. Alan, why don't you go while we're? Well, let me think. Um, Super Eight because a lot of Super Eight has evolved. Um, Zodiac a lot because of the tying into the murders and everything. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, the Wire, because Ziggy's in yep, it. Yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> the Wire's in it. Yeah, I was like, yeah, and I, that's and I cool. Could, I honestly could not, like, I was, I could not place it until, like, after. I was like, why do I know this detective? Det- 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 oh, no, I got it for, like, the first, oh, Ziggy's I in didn't, this. I didn't, yeah, I, I just like, completely, like, I completely, I completely blanked on it. I could not think, I was like, what is this guy in? What? <laughs> I, um, I'm really impressed. Oh, I dude, was... I had it. What, what Actually, it? Ziggy, he provided a good, like, the movie's very serious, and I was happy that he, he provided some levity. That's not a comic relief in it. But he's not exactly like a fool. I know, yeah, that's why I... It's really kind of cool. Yeah, he, brought some, he brought some good spirits to the movie. Oh, The Shining. I kept thinking of The Shining. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, clearly not as good as The Shining, but I kept thinking about it. Maxwell? Let me, let me see. Yeah, The Shining was the movie I was going to say. Um, Sinister kind of feels like the Stephen King novel that Stephen King never wrote. You know, particularly because many of his protagonists are writers and just something about the way that um, Ethan Hawke's character and I uh, can't remember his name. I just remember the character has the most ridiculous name. Um, The way he sort of. Yeah, exactly. Becomes unhinged throughout the movie kind of reminds me of Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Uh, Also because the the ending is, you know, terrible, just like many Stephen King novels. (laughs) (laughs) Abe? Uh, yeah, Insidious, uh, Sixth Sense, and also uh, Pet Cemetery. Only for one scene in Pet Cemetery where I think like the mom goes to the refrigerator and is like, 
the dead guy that the daughter's been talking to is like standing there. Um, because that there's like this really cool tracking scene in in a in, uh, Insidious where I mean I'm sorry in a uh, Sinister where Ethan Hawke is just like walking through his house and weird stuff happens to him. All right. Uh, okay, so that's our Sinister review. Wait before before we move on, when they moved into the house where the murders took place, and then they moved back home. How big of a contrast is that in square footage? Yeah. <laughs> like, that yeah, is ridiculous. Yeah, they live in, like, Wayne Manor. Like, <laughs> what, what is that, that man? What I liked about the house yeah. that they moved into is that it didn't feel like a haunted house. It just felt like a regular house. A regular house, house in Connecticut. Yeah, it felt like a, you know, random house, uh, which is something. Yeah. And that's something I admire about in, in, in Cities, too, where, like, they move out of the house they first move in, which, like, feels like an obvious right. haunted house, and they move into a different house, which is like, all right, well, this house can't be haunted, and then crazy shit happens anyway. That's why, that's why, right. that's why I like in yeah. Cities quite a bit. But, uh, but yeah. <laughs> oh, one last thing. Also, uh, I was actually really annoyed by the use of uh, hanged and hung. Thank, uh, they thank you. Them, I can't believe it. Yeah, they kept oh, saying God. hung, How and it's like, people heard? are not hung. The people are hanged. <laughs> and so they said it like well, five times. And I was like, hey, come on, you guys are writers. Come on. Hey. Hey. The, 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 the hatred I have for that every time I saw it. <laughs> it was like, it's hey. hanged. This is the most, this is the first, the worst thing about the movie. I completely forgot to bring this up. <laughs> hey. Alex, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. I know from personal experience that a person can be hung. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Abe, you, Thank you for that. that I am so happy that Abe brought that up. I will not talk for five minutes. Abe, I am so happy you brought that up because that was driving nuts in the movie too. Yeah, that, that actually drove me nuts like too. just like, one time too. They kept saying it. Yeah, it repeatedly did it. I think the wife did it in, in a diatribe like at least like twice. Yeah. And I was like, God. Yeah, the word, the, the word uses is hanged. <laughs> okay, so moving on. <laughs> now that we've got that out of the way, let's move on to our next review for Paranormal Activity 4. I don't know what it is, but I've just been hearing a lot of noises. And like all this weird stuff has been happening since the new neighbors moved in. Let's go off all the time, honey. It's happening again. The motion lights have been turning on and off every night. Yeah, right. Bet you it's going to be that weird kid from across the street. Watch. See him? What the hell? He's so creepy. <gasps> what is he doing? Freaky, right? Yeah. What's going on? Um, I don't know. It's weird. Alex, what's happening? I don't know. Front door open. Back door open. Alex, what's going on? So that, sh- that should have been some of the trailer for Paranormal Activity 4. This is obviously the fourth installment in the Paranormal Activity series, the yearly horror series at this point that focuses on a family being stalked by a ghost in some capacity. This movie, as opposed to the third movie, which was a prequel to the first two entries, this picks up after the events of Paranormal Activity 2. We are now somewhat modernized as we're taking place in 2011, and we are fall- we spoilers for Paranormal Activity 2 because I have to set this movie up some way. Uh, at the end of that movie, we found Katie is now basically possessed. She murdered her sister and her husband, and she took the baby, Hunter, and walked away. Gearing up years later, in 2011 now, and Katie and her the her son, quotation fingers, uh, they've, they're living in some house, but we're not focusing on them. We're focusing on the, the house next door, which has a teenage daughter filming a lot of stuff, including the creepy kid 
who's now named Robbie, who lives next door and following their activity. Uh, uh, Robbie and the the girl's uh, little brother, Wyatt, have kind of become friends to an extent. And this becomes amplified when Robbie has to move in with them because her mother, is mis- Katie, is mysteriously, take- mysteriously taken to the hospital. So, with Robbie in the house with all these people crazy weird things start to happen for whatever reason and it is all captured via webcams on laptops and the girls what's the girl's name alex is it alex alex is yes this is um her own camcorder which she for some reason has on her most of the time so she and her boyfriend kind of they capture a lot of what's going on try to figure out things that are happening that are too spooky and lots of paranormal activity ensues so with all that said alan aguilera what did you think of paranormal activity for you mean paraformal activity for <laughs> paraformal activity um no eh, it's not good um well it's not as good as three i actually really liked three um it was just kind of i'm used to paranormal activities movies being really slow and deliberately paced and then they all kind of climax in the last couple like the last 10 seconds, it's always like, whoa, God. Um, this one kind of f- just felt like they were phoning it in. Um, I thought it was funnier than scary. I wasn't ever like super, super freaked out. And I wasn't, I didn't ever really feel uncomfortable like I did at the end of Paranormal 3 or towards the end of 2. Um, there was always a sense of uneasiness and a sense of something sinister around the corner or right out of frame. And in this one, I was just like, I kind of knew what you were going to give me and you didn't give me anything that was really different or new. So, I mean, I had low expectations anyway and it kind of met them, but, um, I just like watching this, these kind of movies in the theater. So that's why I went at the late show on opening night. Maxwell. Um, I, you know, I, I, I agree with Alan to an extent. Maybe I liked it a little bit more and, Part of it just has to do with the fact that I really like the paranormal movies. There's something about them that gets under my skin. Um, I think part of that's because I'm pretty open to, you know, the idea of spirits or ghosts or whatever. Um, I would say for the first time, even though these movies have kind of been cranked out over the years, this one maybe felt a little rushed, um, especially in the third act. Things happened really quickly, which is always the case, but I felt like something was missing. Um, what I did really like about it was I think um, having teenage lead characters was pretty smart, especially because the film is able to play on the, you know, the constant struggle that parents and teenagers have of parents not trusting teens, um, which makes it uh, adds a certain level of tension. Because, of course, we, the audience, knows that there's stuff going on and Alex believes that there's stuff going on, but the parents are hesitant to believe so. That worked for me, and the last five minutes really, really freaked me out. Um, I think it sort of played on some of the mythology they were building in the third one, shoved it in there at the end. So I thought it was, you know, fine. I wouldn't say it's a, you know, drastically noticeable dip in quality from any of the previous ones. Um, it, it, it is my least favorite, but I still think it was all right. Abe? I certainly uh, am more with Alan in this way. I felt as though this movie was really lazy. Um, it felt as though the filmmakers... I liked the third one. Uh, I think I liked it more than anybody when we did the podcast, and I think it's primarily because it felt more real. 
Um, <clears throat> and there weren't that many jump scares. It was kind of more like the the weird paranormal stuff. Um, whereas this one, I think a lot of the editing gives you the jump scares. It's like, you know, for example, I think Ben is in one location in a second, and then they cut, and all of a sudden he's, like, standing closer to you now. It's like, okay, Ben is the boyfriend. And it's, it's weird. And then at one point I, would, I was just thinking to myself, I hate that cat because this is one point where the cat just, like, comes out of nowhere and you know, <laughs> all these... You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Like, at, in, the, in the boys' room, and the cat's just like, hey, guys, surprise, I'm your scare. And it's like, all right, well, this is a ridiculous waste of time. So I just was kind of uh, not as enthused by it um, as some of the other folks. I felt as though the, the third act yeah, it really was rushed, and they didn't really build upon it. I think it really took you uh, to understand the third, or to have seen the third one to understand the third act of this fourth one. And... With that in mind, I felt as though when you get to that certain point in the third act of Paranormal Activity 3, I was freaking out <laughs> because there's uh, there's some pretty cool stuff that happens, and there's like this, this, yeah, this okay. really dark shot, yeah, and then you just see this woman's face, and it's really spooky. But in terms of Paranormal Activity 4, I think um, it's just really boring. I, I didn't really find it to be very intriguing or engaging, and I was really... Um, I think the only things that were cool were the, the Xbox Connect scene, and I was really bummed out by the mom because instead of answering a very two simple questions that I, I remember, one of them being, "How did Robbie know uh, about the message before I did?" and then she's like, "You got to try out this guacamole; it's delicious." <laughs> and the other one is, uh, "Honey, a knife just fell from the ceiling. Come back to bed, or else I'm going to be really mad at you." <laughs> All right, well, I guess I'll come back to bed. <laughs> so. Overall, not very good. Um, all right, so I, I'm kind of more with Maxwell in this one. I do think it's the, I think it's the least of the series, but I just did, I did still enjoy it overall. And I think, and I, like I'm also a big, and you're a fan of the, the series in general, though, right? Uh, I'm actually okay with the first one. I didn't like the second one. I think you and I talked about that vacuum in the, in the water. Yeah. And we hated that, yeah. and so I'm like 50-50. Okay, so okay, then I like the, I like the series the same like Maxwell does. I, I like the series because of the surprising amounts of narrative that's been established in these movies, and I, and that's kind of what I came before for like less to be scared and more just to be like I want to see where the story's going. And so with mm-hmm. that said, I I appreciated that it kind of it continued things along, and I'm curious as to what Paranormal Five will have to be or Pair Five starring The Rock as I'm calling it, but um. <laughs> Uh, I, over this movie, I would agree that there it does have lazy elements. I think most evident is the way it edits around to make jump scares as opposed to kind of creating more sense of dread. So you have, like, shots of, like, they're in one place and then just, like, quick edit to, like, someone standing somewhere else and that's a scare. Like, that's that doesn't feel earned. But what yeah. this series does, which is kind of the best thing about it in terms of kind of scaring people, is that you have situations where, you know, you have a camera set up and people are in it and then they leave the room. And so, regardless of what the scare is going to be, there is a good 10 seconds or whatever where you're, you know, the audience is looking at the screen, they're waiting for something to happen. They know they're going to be scared by something, they know something's going to pop out. But regardless of what that is, you're just sitting there watching an empty frame, moving all your your eyes all over the screen, trying to find what that is. And by the time it pays off, regardless of if it's actually something that serves to be spooky or just like a cat jumping in the frame, you get scared by something. Not necessarily forever, you're not you know, necessarily having nightmares about that one tiny scare, but I do like that anticipation of that scare and I think this movie does continue to bring that up and I, I 
applauded for that reason. <laughs> like it, I would the way I gauge these movies is how well I sleep at night, and I would say the Paranormal Before did not make me lose much sleep compared to the other three movies. Maybe not two, but three and one especially. Like I was legitimately scared by those movies, which was more evident I by the fact that I didn't sleep very well. This one didn't do that for me, and. I mean... You want to know what the scariest thing in this movie was for me? What? The lead actress was born in 1997. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is really scary. So, I mean, like, I... For for, I, for a lot of reasons, Abe. <laughs> for, um... Alan and I saw this movie together, by the way, but, um... Oh. And, for, <laughs> and Scooter. And Scooter. And it was awesome. Yeah, Scooter, Scooter, Scooter screamed three, four times, so, you know, that, that made it worth it, too. But, um, I mean, yeah, I think this movie's for fans of the series that, you know, have enjoyed these movies up to this point and, you know, these kinds of movies in general. I don't think it's the best of them. I don't think it's the best example of a found footage movie in general. But I think it it's it's decent enough. I would say that compared to 3, which I also really do like, which had essentially the coolest thing involved where you put a camera on an oscillating fan and exactly. make that create all sorts of tension. That's a great thing. And I don't think regard the connect things kind of nice, but they go to that well way too much. I think, I don't think it works eventually after a while. Like I think the first couple times it's like, Oh, that's pretty neat. But eventually just kind of wears off. But um, I don't think even that is, isn't as ingenious as something as simple as putting a camera on an oscillating fan that creates like an automatic amount of tension just because you're losing screen as it moves. So uh, yeah, I, I feel like, there needs to be some freshness brought up into the next one to keep this thing going if they're going to continue to make paranormal activity movies, which they surely are, since they cost like four dollars to make and make, you know. Yeah, I think they. Times yeah, that. That's the problem. Is like they cost four dollars to make and people keep going to see them. It's like. Uh, well, I, I uh, mean, I find if I really hated this movie, I would find it a problem. But up, but at this point, I'm still with the series. I still like it. I I admire simplicity, in, <laughs> and and I like that. It's this series has been surprisingly durable in being able to create installment after installment year after year. Question becomes where does it go next? Also, that is a good question, and we can't say it goes to space because we saw that movie. It's called Apollo eighteen. Well, we saw that in Leprechaun. We saw that in Leprechaun in Apollo eighteen, which is terrible. So, did you guys um, wait to the scene after the credits? Nope, I missed. No, no, Alan and I I, missed that scene. Apparently, is there something? Abe, I texted you specifically. You didn't see the scene. No. I specifically texted you to wait till after the credits. Oh, I only remember the sinister thing. All right. I, I specific- there was a scene after the credits, and it's entirely in Spanish. And seeing as how I don't speak Spanish, I don't know what goes on. But maybe the fifth movie's moving to Mexico. Uh, Alan, Alan and I literally missed it by like three seconds because we got to the Paramount logo, and it's after that apparently. Oh, that's that's a that's mean. Oh, after the Paramount logo, there was like another four minutes of credits and then here. <laughs> but yeah, I don't let know. Me, me, I'm, I am interested to see where it goes. And and the 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 thing that Aaron said that I agree with is I appreciate the sort of narrative that they built from film to film and how it's not just they could have easily have made them isolated um, ghost stories with different people, different families. But the fact that they're at least making the effort to sort of tie it all together to build something a little bigger, I appreciate it. That brings me to some other points that I had about the movie, but first off, this is the exact text that I sent to Abe. Stay till after credits in Paranormal, just saying. But, um, (laughs) the, the, um, the, the, uh, the idea of having, like, a new family involved, like, that's kind of good, I guess, but it also, like, the problem, one of the problems I have with this movie, even though I do enjoy it, is that 
it feels like it's going back to the well or going like it feels like the biggest example of diminishing returns by going back to a, a completely new family because opposed to as opposed to being involved with this family that's already gone through stuff now we're just dealing with completely different people that have to go through the same situation that we have seen in three prior movies already and which is i mean that brings up there's an incredible convenience involved when you have the same ghost terrorizing a, a, a group of family that finds itself in the same situation of being filmed in all areas and not being able to avoid being you know shot on camera that's but that's the, that's the series in general that I can't really question the logic of but you're basically you're watching the same fa- you're watching a family again go through the same activity of uh, you know, days at a time, there are creepy things going on. The nights, creepier things go on, and then about twelve or thirteen days in, all hell breaks loose. Like it's the it's the exact same scenario, and I'm happy that they're trying new things. But again, we've already addressed that it's not new enough to make this a better movie than three per se. But uh, yeah, yeah, it, it runs into that wall of like, well, how do we make this continue to make this fresh? Obviously, it worked for Maxwell and I more than it worked for Abe and Allen. But I mean. I was going to say, it seems to me like the best approach at this point to keep things fresh. And I mean, I'm not going to sit here and write the next movie, but would sort of be to take the approach, even though I didn't think it was good. I don't know if you guys have watched the Grave Encounters movies, but in the sequel to Grave Encounters, they basically have a team of paranormal investigators investigating the events of the first movie. Doesn't Blair Witch 2 sure. do that also? Yeah, to an extent. Kind of like Wreck 2. Wreck If you have. Yeah who are aware of this demon or ghost looking into all of the events and starting to connect it together, it could at least move it away from the new family, new house sort of um, redundancy that this one does have a, a certain element of. And see, like, I can, I can propose plenty of ideas for five as well, but I, I, I feel like I'd be spoiling everything that happens in the end of four <laughs> because there's there are some crazy ideas that I have for where Paranormal Activity 5 could go. There are some, which, there's which, some which includes a, a dystopian future plan that I have. But... <laughs> there are couple shots at the end of four, one in particular that kind of really surprised me yeah uh, oh, yeah okay. it, it, it yeah. involves quantity i think is what we're referring it, to yes, that was, <laughs> yes. yeah like but, you know I, again, I felt as though part three really established all that and it did it in a better way and it was fresher there because you have all these uh, these really like uh paranormal things that happened to these two young children in part three and they're very creative. I mean, even the trailers, which they cut some scenes into, which you don't see in the final cut, or I guess the theatrical cut, is really intense. I mean, there's this part where in the in the trailer, like, the daughter is painting, and then she throws water on what is supposedly nothing, and then it becomes, like, this, yeah. this creature. The, and that was awesome. That's the connect thing. Again, that's, like, how that kind of... Yeah, but the connect thing is, yeah, you, you said it perfectly. It's like, they go there too often, and it doesn't pay off. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only like really I think one or two things um, that are that are spooky about it, but it could have been crazier or it could have been like more freaky where you memor where you memor right where you uh, have like a a more visceral and memorable experience with it, and they don't do that and it just felt lazy and then you know the the, the third act it doesn't really come out of and it it's not that it comes out of nowhere because uh, it's understood if you yeah if yeah, you've yeah, heard, yeah but it's just. You know, you've seen it before, and it's not anything new. And it's just, you know, I, I felt one of the parts that did spook me out was when she's calling somebody, and then this the sound is coming from like her closet, and that was that was cool. Um, but you know, there's not really even even the little tricycle scene. Um, I was like, 
this is I, yeah. I feel there are there are things that feel like yeah. I I yeah, I agree that they're like three and what well three because three I think does a good job of kind of bringing a lot of different elements into one thing. I think it does all of that better than four. I think we're all agree on that that this is the weakest yeah. one, but um yeah, it does lack a certain freshness and I do think it's kind of repeating certain beats and it. It, it just doesn't do things as efficiently and does feel kind of rushed. I mean, there, I mean, there's a part where, like, basically the daughter's on sleeping pills for some point, and you're like, where did that come from? And, it, like, the only the only, the only, <laughs> yeah. the only reason that's established is just so creepy things could happen to her without her knowing it. And it's like, wait, why is she on sleeping pills? What? It definitely <laughs> felt like something was missing. Yeah, it, and, I mean, the movie's, what, 90 minutes at most. I mean, it's lean, right, yeah, and so, right. like, and obviously they, I assume they probably shot tons of stuff, too, and they just cut it out just like they did with 3, it seemed. Because so I remember 3 had, like, all kinds of stuff going on in the trailers that you did. Yeah, all see. kinds of cool. It was like there was like a, I think that you had brought up the whole time where like the daughter like jumps off the balcony and then she walks back up the which stairs is, and I'm like that. Which is actually it's really scary. Which is actually in the unrated version of the uh, on the, oh, the Blu-ray. Yeah, there's there's that whole sequence where the daughter yeah she wakes up at night she gets up and jumps like, she like literally jumps off the balcony and then just walks up all happy and it's like that's actually pretty cool but it's like <laughs> yeah it seems like it it feels like I don't know if stuff was chopped out of this one but it doesn't feel like it's as efficient in what it left in this time around. It just feels like we're, it feels more evident that we're missing things. I don't know if they're, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the process is for making these kind of movies. I mean, they shoot like yeah. in June and they're released in, in October. So it's, I think the hey, things that like, me out. I had a, has anybody else have a huge problem? I don't know what Robbie was f- involved in the movie for. Like, does, how does, how does he play into it? Cause I understand just, why it was involved, but why would, Brady Allen, I think, is the actor's name. Why would he... I, I never understood why he was even involved in the thing. I, like, he was a creepy-looking kid. I mean, he looked like a mixture of Michael Shannon and Jeremy Renner after a bender, but yeah. I understand. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't want to spoil things, but I did have that question as well, given how certain things play out, I guess. it let, the, the movie left me with some significant questions that I feel I think need to be answered, but the series plays everything so close to the vest that I know I'm not going to get those until maybe five and maybe freaking six at this point. <laughs> Please stop. But one of the things that bummed me out too is these were the same directors from part three, and I thought that they could take on uh, where they left off, but they decided to kind of go back with uh, the original storyline, I guess, and I think three was like a prequel, I guess. But it just felt, you know, like you're going in, in a merry-go-round, you're going around in circles because it's the same things happening, and so it, it's it's not really anything exciting or fresh, and it's. Again, that's where I felt that it was lazy. It, it leaves me in a weird standstill because I the, the issue I had with three, even though I like three, is that it felt like it's just filling in backstory for me, and I didn't move any, I didn't get any forward progress on the narrative necessarily. This I can I can the, understand that this movie. I would have hoped to have provided me more forward narrative, and it does to an extent because I get a catch up of where everybody is now, but. It also still feels like an obvious placeholder for whatever they have in store for the next one, based on what the ending of this movie is. Yeah. Hmm. Let's uh, let's move on then. Just let's get to our rating because we've been going a little long. And um, so again, we have our same rating scale. So Maxwell, where on the scale would you put Paranormal Activity for? I guess I would say go see it in the theater, just because it's the type of movie that benefits from seeing it with a good crowd. And you know, again, tis the season to be scared in the theater. So. <laughs> Okay, Alan, where would you put this on the on the R scale, our rating scale? Probably Netflix. I don't really. I know I didn't particularly enjoy it, but I know people that would like it, like my brother. But um. All right, I would. Uh, 
Honestly, my my rating for this movie would be if you didn't see it already at the midnight show, then you have to wait till Netflix. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like I, I think I I I've only watched these movies at midnight shows. I've I've I had to review three on Blu-ray, so I watched that one again, and mainly because that one's I, I like the te- the technical craft in three quite a bit, so I was happy to see that one again. But I mean, honestly, I think this movie works best with crowds, especially with that kind of opening midnight crowd that hasn't heard anything about it already. That's why the first. That's why the first one was so successful to me because I I specifically avoided all trailers and just knew that this was a movie coming out and it was only a limited amount of theaters. So I was happy with that. This I mean you, you know what to expect at this point from these movies, but still I think that fresh viewing is good a good one. Abe, uh, I mean like personally I think that you just regular wait for regular cable like FX, um, but I guess if you wanted to HBO. All right, so that's our. Uh, Film review for Paranormal Activity Four. Let's get to it. Let's do a little movie callback for it. Callback, callback, callback. And uh, of course, same deal. Any movies that you thought might have related to this movie in some way that you could think of? Uh, next, yeah, Lolita. Lolita, yeah. That's <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> any any other movies? Just Lolita. Like no, not really. Just um, Sinister. Okay. Uh, Maxwell. I don't know. I mean, it, it's all pretty obvious what what movies I say calls back. You know, the previous entries in the series um, reminded of the last Exorcist or Exorcism a little bit. Um, Grave Encounters, which I was talking about. Cool. Yeah, I, I thought of VHS. Um, Me too. Yeah. All right. Um, it's specifically because I mean the film is shot like on video chats. That's right. <laughs> that's kind of the, the logic here. And uh, I don't want to get into the logic of using video chats and why that girl has the camera with her for so long, but it's not a helpful thing to have a camera when you're trying to escape a situation. Just saying. I don't, like, let's put the camera down at some point. I know that's, you know, it ruins the movie, but real-life logic does play effects on this. But yeah, VHS came to mind just because there's a segment involving video chats in that movie as well, and I kept kind of... And it's, you know, the other found footage movie I saw recently, so... yeah. I, I do want to echo that, just the VHS, especially the, the Skype one. Um, and one last point is, to your point about, you know, it, if you have a video camera and it's the only thing that you see, uh, it does lead to these stupid situations. I think that the most obvious one is a Prius in Paranormal Activity 4. And clearly, if you're walking, you're able to see things. But if you're just viewing it through a camera lens, then yes, I guess that that could be considered a jump scare. I think the Prius thing was fine. But it's a Prius. It's a Prius. You can't, you can't hear those coming. things coming at all. Yeah, like You make that joke. <laughs> yeah. On this podcast. Yeah. We we were sitting, Alan and I were sitting there thinking, well, that makes sense because it's a Prius. <laughs> you, can't hear, you can't hear those things coming anyway. You can't hear them start, yeah. let alone drive. <laughs> um, all right. Let's, uh, Maxwell, you there? Yep. Okay, good. Let's get to our box office. Each week we go over the box office results and see if our previous week's predictions were anywhere near. Abe, do you remember what you predicted last week for Paranormal Activity 4? I think it's at 46, first place. You did. Uh, Alan, do you remember what you said? 48. You did. And uh, let's see, Mark Hobbins at 40, I said 42. The movie actually debuted to 30 million, the low for the series. Not exactly terrible, just because the movie costs $4 to make, as we said already. But obviously, people are like, hey, we've seen this movie three other times already. What else is going on? So with that said, Sinister uh, was in sixth place, but it didn't drop very much, which is surprising for a horror movie, let alone a horror movie coming out the week of a big horror movie coming out. So, you know, good on them, just because I would prefer to see Sinister over Paranormal Activity 4 in theaters right now, I guess. Um, 
But yeah, Paranormal Activity 4, 30 million. Argo, second place, and we all loved Argo, I believe. Um, it's making money. It's still yeah, strong. Also, not a, not a big drop for that one. For 16 million right now. It's at 43. Uh, Hotel Transylvania, for some people, people keep wanting to see that. Uh, Take It 2, same thing. Uh, then Don't Cross Alex Cross on Alex Cross Cross Day. Um, that's uh, that's in fifth place. Bad opening. Um, Sinister, as I said, sixth place. Uh, things go from there. Seven Psychopaths dropped out of the top ten, which is unfortunate. Um, yeah, so that's box office. Abe, I think we have a very little bit of time. For some games? See, very little amount of time. I have a game... <laughs> Um, it's a horror quiz game, and because we have a limited amount of time, I'm going to ask three questions, and I'm going to wait for Alan to get back on the line. Okay, I'm just going to go about Alan if he logs if he logs back in. We'll do it. Okay. 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 We're down to just two now, so we'll see if Alan gets back in, but here, here we go. Here we go. 30 Days of Night was directed by who? David Slade. David Slade? Is that what your answer was? Maxwell? Yes. That was that was correct. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Stephen Norrington directed which film? Blade Trinity, Blade, Anaconda, Army of Darkness. Trinity. Trinity, yeah. Nope, it was Blade. Oh, wow. David S. Goyer directed Trinity. I don't know who that is. He's the, the writer of all three Blade movies, as well as many comic book movies like The Dark Knight, Batman Begins. Oh, David Goyer. David Goyer. I, thought, yeah. I thought you said, I don't know. Okay, whatever. Okay, here's an easy one. Who is the captor in Saw? Jigsaw, Hacksaw, Chainsaw, or Bonesaw? Jigsaw. Oh, I think Alan Aguilar is about to get back on this call. Oh. Hooray. Okay, Alan Aguilar, are you there? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Here's a big question. Resident Evil Apocalypse was directed by who? Alexander Witt, David Hackle, Darren Lynn Boseman, or Roman Polanski? Alexander well, clearly it's Roman Polanski. Ah. <laughs> it is Alexander Witt, I believe. Yep. All right. And the last question. Which actor played the role of the father in the film Let Me In? Viggo Mortensen, Jensen Ackles, Richard Jenkins, or R.A. Milikoff? Richard Jenkins. Richard Jenkins. Jenkins. <laughs> it was Richard Jenkins. All right. Everyone wins that round, because why not? Let's get to our end. Well, let's go. Okay, we got it. We're going to speed through this one. Um. Next week we're talking about Cloud Atlas. That's the uh, that's the plan for next week. I have no idea what the box office is going to be for Cloud Atlas. Do better people going to see it? Wait, is that is that the uh, sequel to Atlas Shrugged? It, it's, yeah, it's at, no, we already had that one, which nobody nobody went and saw because they were like, ah, I mean the, th- the second sequel, the third. Yeah, one. They all shrugged it off, so no, I don't think so. Uh, but um, I don't even I don't even want to do box office for it. I have no time anyway. I'm just, like I have no yeah. idea what to predict for Cloud Atlas. So that's it. We're just we're, we're just not. Gonna hey, is, is that a, is that about um? A guy who maps out clouds. You're the one that needs. What, what you're the one that needs to leave, Alan. I don't know why you're delaying the show. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a bit out. Okay. So with all that, that's it. That's going to do it this week for out now, Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeke.com, where you can find all my written movie reviews, as well as at whysoblue.com for my blue reviews, and uh, twitter.com/slash/aaron's-ps3 is where you can follow me. Also, I was covering Screamfest this past week in LA, and there's going to be some exclusives up at. Uh, outnow.potomac.com which uh you know look out look out for those if you find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose Maxwell uh you can find all my work at theractfocus.com and follow me on twitter at 
Twitter.com slash Max L. Had. Alan. You can find my work at P.O. Ching's Burbank <laughs> and on the VHS Diaries and Twitter and Instagram. And remember, Aldo if, you, if you go to P.O. Ching's Burbank Al, and ask for Alan, he will give you a free lettuce wrap, I believe. That was the, that was the deal. Last week was chicken. This week, chicken and vegetarian. Oh, what? Okay. I'm getting the vegetarian has a hint right of now, some lettuce wrap. <laughs> you can drive on over to Burbank and you, know, you can figure that out. All right, so you can find all the other episodes of Out Now, Out There, and A on iTunes, also at hhwlod.com. You can find all our episodes there, as well as the other shows on that network, including the Walking Dead TV podcast, which has just kicked back into gear since the season of Walking Dead has just begun. And uh, I'll be contributing weekly uh, write-ups for every episode for that for for the for the help of that podcast. Um, also, our Out Now YouTube page with Abe is Abe, Out Now YouTube page, which Abe has explained earlier, which has just the reviews. Um, email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Send us, you know, think what you thought about Paranormal Activity or Sinister. Which one do you think is better this year? Do you want to see sequels to Sinister? Do you want to see yearly Sinister movies? I don't. But, um, you know, all those. And, of course, the Avengers contest is still open. And we still have a copy of Magnolia to give away for anyone that has a favorite PTA character in a PTA film. Um, Facebook.com slash outnowpodcast and Twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. You can follow and like those pages there. All the updates and what have you is, you know, frequently posted on those pages. I think that's going to do it this week for our spooky episode of Out Now, Baron and Abe. I know you were oh, constantly scared. Aaron, that's racist. <laughs> Thank you for that. Alan, thanks for being on, by the way, jumping on, despite being incredibly tired. I don't think anybody noticed. Okay. And <laughs> Maxwell, thanks for coming on also, as well as Always a pleasure. Great. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah. So until next time, so long. And goodbye. Actually, really annoyed by the use of uh, hanged and hung. Thank, uh, thank you. Saying, I can't believe. Yeah, they kept oh saying hung, God. and it's like people heard. are not hung; that people are hanged. <laughs> and so they said it like well, five times. And I was like, hey, "Come on, you guys are writers. Come on." Hey. Uh, the, 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 the hatred I have for that every time I saw it. <laughs> it was like it's hey. hanged. This is the most. This is the first. The worst thing about the movie. I completely forgot to bring this up. <laughs> hey, Alex, yes, I'm sorry. Yes. I know from personal experience that a person can be hung. Thank you. <laughs>